0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with a visit to the Old West with Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke, an American Western drama series created by director Norman MacDonald and writer John Meston. The stories take place in and around Dodge City, Kansas, during the settlement of the American West. The central character, lawman Marshall Dillon, played by William Conrad on radio and James Ernest on TV. The radio series ran from 1952 to 1961. Pretty good run. John Dunning wrote that among radio drama enthusiasts, Gunsmoke is routinely placed among the best shows of any kind and at any time. Tonight, an episode from 1952 tells a story about a crazed Shakespearean actor who commits murder during a Kansas heat wave. And the description of that heat wave is something else. It was the dust. The heat was bad enough in Dodge City, but out in the plane, it was the dust. The sun was a burning red-round chip in the sky, and a sweat in the man never had a chance to dry. It was blotted and dried with dust. Doc Chester and Marshall Dillon had ridden out to Old Man Gore's place ten miles out, and he had some trouble with one of his hands. that had gone loco with the liquor and was shooting up the cattle. Well, let's join the action and see what happens. <laughs>
3: It was the dust. The heat was bad enough in Dodge City, but out on the plain, it was the dust. The sun was a burning red-brown chip in the sky, and the sweat on a man never had a chance to drop. It was blotted and dried with dust. Doc, Chester, and I had ridden to old man Gore's place ten miles out. He'd had some trouble with one of the hands. The fellow had gone loco with liquor and had been shooting up the cattle. We found him, stripped naked nearby on his haunches, crying, drunk over a parched waterhole. Doc had got him to bed and fixed him up some. And now we were heading back for Dodge. Darn horse.
4: Seems he's just bound to stomp all the dust and candles in my eyes.
5: <laughs> Maybe the Marshal will buy you a camel, Chester. <sighs>
4: this keeps up, we'll all buy camels. I remember the time back in Waco when I was just Dark, a
3: small Chester. Boy. You see something ahead on the side of the trail there? Um,
5: uh, yeah, maybe.
4: It looks like some poor calf
3: strayed off and dropped. I don't think so. It uh, looks like a man. Come on. Hey, come on. Chester, get the water back. Yes, sir. let me have a look, Marshal. Yeah. Let's see. Heat. Is he all right?
6: Depends on how long he's been lying here.
5: Here you are, Mr. Dillon.
6: Open up his shirt, Marshal. Chester, get some of that water on his wrist. All right.
3: He looks like an Easterner, huh?
6: Sure not dressed for this country. Mm. Oh, that's better, that's better. Try to get a few drops in him. All right, now. No, Not
3: too much, Chester. <coughs> not in his nose, Chester's mouth. Well,
4: my gracious, I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon, but he moved his head. It's not so easy to... Hey, look, he's awake.
3: Mm. You're all right, mister. Just take it easy for a bit now.
6: Oh, but this too, too solid flesh would melt thaw. Oh. And resolve itself into a Jew. What did he say?
3: Oh, it's out of his head, Chester.
6: (laughs) Oh, this relief, Uh, much thanks.
3: Forget it. Chester, get around the other side and shade him from the sun.
6: Yes, the sun. I begin to be weary of the sun.
3: Uh, I don't blame you. Uh, What happened?
6: My wagon. Shed a wheel, I fear, along the high road. I know not where I am.
3: Uh, you're about four miles out of Dodge City. Uh, Kansas.
6: Kansas. Uh, I would give all my fame for a pot of ale
7: and safety. We better get him to town quick. He's in a bad area.
3: You think you can make it on a horse? We'll take you into... We'll take him into Dodge. And he passed out again We tied him across Doc's horse Doc and I doubled up and Chester rode behind The stranger was a tall skinny man With a face like a friendly mule Big hands and thin wrists stretched out from his sleeves He had no papers on him, nothing Until he woke up, we wouldn't even know his name. Doc settled him down in the back of his place, and he was still asleep when Chester and I rode out to where we figured he'd left his wagon. Wasn't hard to see when we found it. What color wagon would you call that, Mr. Dillon? Puce, Chester. Puce. I guess so. Seems to be some writing on the side there. Yeah. Oh, Irving Henry, thespian supreme, disciple of the immortal bard. Hmm. I should have known he was a religious man. Uh, He's an actor, Chester, the immortal bard. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare wrote plays, poems. Ah, ah.
4: You think he let the horses go, Mr. Dillon?
3: I was wondering that. Seems to me he'd have ridden for help instead of trying to walk.
4: Horses couldn't have got out of the harness ourselves.
3: Let's take a look at the wheel.
4: Wish we could wait till the sun goes down. It's going to be awful hot work, Mr. Dillon. Eh.
3: It's not too bad. The pen fell out. Must be another in the box at the back. Take a look, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. I'll prop the wheel up here. Now. Mr. Dillon? Yeah, can't you find it?
4: Will you come here a minute?
3: Uh, What's the matter?
4: Take a look in there.
3: It took a second or two to get used to the darkness inside the wagon... And then I saw the... hand sticking out from behind the trunk. You didn't have to be the doc to know that it was a... dead hand. The body was of a man about 40. He was dirty. And in a greasy, torn waistcoat... I found a pocketbook with his name. Sam Matchett. And that was all. Below his left shoulder and his back was a patch of dried blood. And in the middle... A bullet hole. We got the wagon wheel on, hitched up our horses, and drove into Dodge. Doc?
8: Oh, that's you, Marshal? Uh, yeah. Yeah, be right out. All right. Get that fellow's wagon fixed up?
3: Yeah, I brought it in. Is he awake?
8: Oh, I haven't looked in the last half hour. I was making coffee. You want something? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, it's the funny thing about coffee when it's hot weather like this. Drink it, scald and makes you feel cooler outside. Uh, Look, Doc,
3: I got to see that fellow. I want to ask him a couple of questions. Why, so? I found a dead man in the back of his wagon. You don't say. You better take a look. Chester's bringing him in the side.
0: Oh, sure, sure, sure. You want to go on back?
3: Uh, Yeah, thanks, Doc. Mr. Henry? Mr. Henry,
6: wake up. Yeah,
7: what? Oh.
3: Your name, Irving Henry?
6: Oh, Irving Henry. Uh, what is this place?
3: Now, you got to listen to me for a minute. We found your wagon. Ah? Uh-huh. Did you let the horses go before you sat on your own? Of course.
6: I could not let them remain to die.
3: Well, how come you didn't take one to ride?
6: <laughs> I have a loathing of horses. I cannot bear one under my body... There is a carafe of water beside the bed. Would you be good enough, uh, Mister uh... Uh,
3: Dillon, Matt Dillon? I'm the marshal here in Dodge City. Here you. Are. Oh, my thanks. Now, what were you doing with a dead man in your wagon, Mister Henry?
6: A dead man. A
3: dead man, shot in the back, lying in your wagon.
6: This is very midsummer
3: Madness. I won't argue about that, but I'll thank you to answer my question.
6: But it is impossible. It isn't true. I say it is. You lie in your throat if you say that I'm any other than an honest man. Look,
3: mister, I didn't say you weren't honest. You're an actor. And you got a fine way of saying things, but murder's murder. I don't care how you say it. Now, I'm asking questions, and I want straight answers.
6: Your pardon, sir. What you tell me... In truth, if, if it were played upon a stage, I would condemn it as an improbable fiction. I swear to you, I know nothing of a body. Did
3: you come through Hayes City? Yes. Do you know a man there called Sam Matchett? No. You had no trouble in Hayes City.
6: No. What are you doing in these parts, Mister Henry? Uh, I'm, I am touring the provinces, an actor eating the bitter bread of banishment. And the talents are not taken for their worth in the East. and Therefore, I bring the immortal bard to the hinterlands. And now, sir, that the interview is ended, pray give me leave to depart.
3: I'm sorry, I can't do that. You'll have to stay until we get this thing cleared Mr. up. Mr.
4: Dillon, Doc, would like to see you.
3: Uh, all right, Chester. Stay here with Mr. Henry, will you? Well, sure, Mr. Dillon, sure.
4: If, how are you feeling by now, Mr. Henry?
3: Like more wine.
6: The Doc. Right here, water. These evil live in I did. me
3: What'd you find? Well, there's one thing.
8: This man didn't die right away. I mean, not right when he was shot. Is that so? No. More likely bled to death. Inside.
3: Uh-huh. Uh huh. you think he might have been able to climb up in the wagon after he was shot?
5: Well, he might. There's another thing. Yeah? You see the way he's dressed? Now, you take a look at that. Oh,
3: the
8: hell? Come on. Come yeah. on, Doc. Hey. Chester.
3: Oh, well, what's took... the
4: matter with him? Chester. My gun when I was pouring him some water. Mr. <laughs> Dillon. He must have gone through the window, Marshal.
9: I, I tried to get it back. It
3: went take care of Chester, Doc. I'm going after him. Uh. When I went out of there, I didn't know how badly Chester was hurt. There was a lot of blood on his head and over his face. It was nearly dark outside, and the street was empty. It was supper time. I could see the women through the windows getting food ready. The kids were inside, too. Sure looked peaceful. But with Henry out with a gun, well, that wasn't a good thing to have running around loose in Dodge. See a man run down the street, Miss Fletcher. Why, well, no. Well, you better get inside and lock your door. Don't come out again. There's a killer loose. I walked the length of the street, listening, waiting. And when I got to the end, there was nothing. He hadn't taken a horse, I'd have heard that. And in a way, I was sorry, because if he'd tried to hide and dodge, there'd be no way to get out of shooting that wouldn't get women and kids hurt. A breeze came up, and swirls of dust flew around. And then settled as the air became still and hot again. I went back to Doc's place.
8: Oh, uh, did you find him,
4: Marshal?
3: No. How's Chester?
4: Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Dillon.
3: Just creased my head more mess than hurt. Oh, good, Chester. Uh, Look, you want to go home or you want to work? I want to work. All right. Go down to the office, get yourself another gun, and round up some men, as many as you can. As long as Henry stays in town, we're in trouble. Now, keep your eyes open. Meet me back here. Yes, Mr. Dillon. take my gun with you, and if you see him, watch out. All right, now get going. Yes, sir. Now, Doc, I'm going to have to make you a deputy, too.
9: Well. <laughs> well, maybe
5: instead of digging out bullets, I'll be putting some in.
3: It's not funny, Doc. Now, come on. All right, we'll start here. I'll take this side, you take the other. Get the men to go through their houses and tell them to look for their horses. Tell them what's happening. <laughs> By ten o'clock that night, as far as we could tell, Henry hadn't left town. There were plenty of places for him to hide, though. We had 50 men out searching. Chester and I were working along back of the express office. There were a couple of houses there we hadn't covered.
4: You wouldn't think a man like that would be a killer, now
3: would you, Mr. Dillon? I never saw a man yet. Couldn't be, Chester. Depends on your reasons for killing, I guess. Now, let's take a look behind these boxes, huh?
4: You think he could have got this far?
3: Yeah, he might. A lot of back streets to sneak around the dark. That's Miss Cullen's place there, know? Yes, sir. Looks like she's still awake. Light burning back there. Yeah. <clears throat>
4: <clears throat> Seem a bit cooler to you tonight, Mr. Dillon?
3: Yeah, a bit. Evening, Miss Cullen. I'm sorry to get you up, but we're looking for a man, a stranger around. He's tall, thin. You seen anyone about tonight? No. No, I haven't. Uh Oh? How's the kids?
10: Oh, they're fine. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. Fine.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Well, you keep the place locked tight, Miss Cullen. Don't let anybody in tonight unless you know who it is.
10: All right. Good night, Mr. Dillon.
3: Good night, ma'am.
4: Well, now, that's strange. She didn't even say hello to me, and I know her better than you
3: do, Mr. Dillon. Chester, round up the others. Get him over here. I don't know why she... He's under- in there with her. I think he's got the kids in the sleeping room. Oh. Sent her out to get rid of us. Now, I'm going to try and get in. Don't do anything when you come back. Just put the men around the house. Yes, sir. I'd seen Miss Cullen make a move with her head. And her eyes said the rest. When I told her to lock up, I shook my head, and I hope she understood. I wanted that front door to stay open.
7: Keep promise as
9: soon as I
3: can. He was in there, all right. I could hear him. Me. My is I wanted right him alive. Both but I wasn't going to risk hurt to Miss Cullen or long the long kids long getting
6: him.
7: Please. I did what you asked. Don't hurt the children. Please. you will never know this night. in the morning, when they will What's that? You said you knocked the door after. No, don't. Don't. I shall keep the pistol turned for the girl's head now. Someone is here. They're trying to take me. Who is it? Who?
9: Mr. Dillon, go away.
7: You lied. You lied. Oh, tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide. Listen to me, Marshal Dillon. Throw your pistol in here, and then come in with your hands before you. I have no stomach for child killing, but I will not hesitate to do so.
3: Now, give me the gun, Henry. No. You won't be able to get out of this.
7: I must. There is living to be done.
3: You know, that fancy talk isn't going to help either. Now, why don't you climb down? What happened to Matchett?
7: Nothing happened to Match.
3: Why'd you kill him? I didn't. In five minutes or less, there'll be 50 men or more around here. Now, what are you going to do? I don't know. If you didn't kill Matchett, you'll get a chance. I'll see to that. There's no use going on this way. Give me the gun.
7: I cannot. It is my prop of salvation.
3: No gun is salvation to anybody. Put it down.
7: You must tell the men to go away, Marshal Dillon. I'll have to take one of these children with me for my protection. No! Shed a tear for me, madam. I have the greater need.
3: You do a lot of talking, mister. I'd like to see you turn the gun away from that kid's head. That'd take more than talk, wouldn't it, though?
7: I have no skill with such a weapon. Why should I match with you? I want to live. You're going about it the wrong way. The smallest worm will turn, being trod upon. Meaning? You gave me no choice when you brought me here. would have been better to have left me lying in the dust. You don't understand You don't know. Well, why don't you tell me? What good would it do? It depends. My life has been the theatre. As a boy, I, I was a student of Shakespeare. But <laughs> look at me. Who would accept this face for Hamlet? This ill-shaped body for Romeo. <laughs> His speech has become my speech. And the fools only look. They cannot listen for laughing.
3: There have been ugly men before you, and... Or... Hasn't been cause for murder. Why'd you kill Matchett?
7: In New York, there was a man, a gross, stupid man who fancied himself an interpreter of the Bard. He, he took me, me, as his apprentice. And together we set out for the tour. I would play only the voices. Never Richard. Never Henry. Never Leah. Only... Only the voices. Whilst he... stumbling, drunken... he muddled and tore to a tattle... the words that I should have spoken...
3: You killed a man because you wanted
7: to play a hero. How easily murder is discovered. Yes, sometimes I guess. It was yesterday. We were leaving Hayes City. We played there for two days, and it made me a laughing stock. It was night and he became drunk and, and threatened to leave me in the next town. I made him stop the wagon, and taking up a pistol, I shot him. He did not die at first, and when I saw what I had done, I, I wanted him to live. And I put him into the wagon and I drove on, hoping to find a doctor. Then, as as the night passed, I saw that he had died. And I was afraid.
3: The wagon broke down?
7: Yes. I, I put my purse into his clothes and took his name for mine. How I've hated the name of Sam Matchett. But you wouldn't understand. I wouldn't. Well, so what now? I want to live. I want my child.
3: You've done a murder. I can't let you go, you know that. Don't make it harder.
7: I lost my husband two years ago.
10: I know what it is to be alone. You've been alone, haven't you?
7: I'm sorry, but you killed someone. We may pity, though not pardon, dear. (laughs) I'm going now, Marshal.
3: If you walk out of there with your gun, you're a dead man.
7: Uh, Death's a great disguiser. I must have my chance.
3: Don't do it, Matchett. There'll be killing.
7: Madam, forgive me. I would not have harmed your children.
3: Matchett, put down your gun.
7: Let me go my way. Please.
3: There are a lot of men waiting for you out there, Matchett. You know what'll happen if you open the door. Don't do it, Matchett.
0: as the
7: rub for in that sleep of death
9: what dreams make.
0: match it
3: He knew he was going to die. The minute he opened that door, he knew it. And maybe he wanted to, because he fired first a single shot. We buried him in back of the church, and I found some words in a book to put on his grave. He that dies pays all debts.
2: Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Hans Conrad was featured as Henry, with Mary Lansing as Mrs. Cullen. Parley Bear is Chester and Howard McNear is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Roy Rowan speaking. Remember gangbusters going to action Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network.
1: Stay tuned for Father Knows Best next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to hear Robert Young in the role of Jim Anderson and Father Knows Best. Tonight's 1953 episode is entitled Too Many Peanuts.
11: (laughs) Mother, why does Daddy insist on instant Sanka
10: coffee? Your father says instant Sanka is 100% pure coffee and the only instant coffee that lets him sleep. And your father knows best.
12: It's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as Father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Anderson. Brought to you by Instant Sanker Coffee and Post 40% Brand Flakes. Mother, next time you're choosing a cereal, remember new Post 40% Brand Flakes. Give your family all the important keep regular benefits of brand in a cereal with a delicious new magic oven flavor. Insist on Post Brand Flakes, the cereal preferred and eaten by far more people than any other Brand Flakes. This weekend, get post 40% brand flakes in the new family size 15 ounce package. They're good. And so good for you. (laughs) Remember the old saw about the fellow who went into the auction sale to get out of the rain, sneezed, and found he'd bought a set of dishes? Well, I doubt if that ever really happened, but Jim Anderson had an experience this afternoon at an auction sale. He got the bargain to end all bargains. Margaret hasn't heard about it yet. She's at home in the kitchen of the White Frame House on Maple Street, baking a cake. Like this.
10: Dear, I hope that recipe isn't the same one that Evelyn... Hi, Mom. Bud, don't slam the door. Why not? I have a cake in the oven. Oh. And don't stomp through the kitchen.
8: I'll go around to the front door.
10: That would be much safer, thank you.
8: That's okay.
10: Bud, Bud, don't slam... Oh, no.
9: What what's all the racket
11: out
10: here? That was your brother tiptoeing out the back door. I'm afraid to look at the
11: cake. Well, wonder of wonders. Is it flat? No, it weathered the storm. But I wanted to ask you, Mother. Jamie Liggett and I and some of the other girls got the most perfect idea at school today. Listen and see what you think of it. Go right ahead. I have to make this frosting. Well... We decided that we're all simply too utterly unaware. Oh? Unaware of what? Books, Mother. The great books, the classics. We've decided that we're going to organize a reading club. We're going to elevate our minds to higher planes of thought.
8: Who's going to go where?
11: Nobody's going any place, dopey. I'm talking to Mother. So we thought a perfect place for the club meetings would be our playroom downstairs. We almost never use it. Could we have it for our club meetings, Mother? As far as I'm concerned, it's all right. Oh, that's good, because I invited the girls for the first meeting tomorrow
10: night. Stand back now. I don't want to drop this cake.
12: Margaret, I'm home.
10: I'm in the kitchen, dear.
12: Oh. Hi, kids. Hello, Father. Hi, Dad. Hello, honey.
10: Hello, dear. Careful of this cake pan. It's sizzling hot.
12: Mmm, good. That for dinner?
10: No. This is my contribution to the Harvest Jubilee. Oh? Oh. You know, the big charity circus out at the fairgrounds for the children's home. I have to hurry. I told Mrs. Michaels the cake would be ready by 6. Her husband's going to stop by for it.
12: Sounds like a worthy cause. Oh, by the way, there hasn't been anything delivered this afternoon, has there?
11: No, why? Were you expecting something, Father?
12: You buy
8: something, Dad?
11: Hi, Daddy, what'd you get?
12: Now, wait, I didn't say Did I Did you get any... a new suit? No.
8: What is it, Father?
12: Well, if it hasn't been delivered yet, I'm not going to tell you.
8: I'll bet
10: it's a new car. No. A new chair for the living room?
12: No, nothing like that. You'd never guess in a million years.
11: Where'd you buy it?
12: Well, they were having an auction sale over at the commercial warehouse, and I stopped in just for the fun of it.
11: What
10: in the world could you get at a warehouse auction? Is it a baby sister?
8: (laughs) You don't buy baby sisters, knucklehead.
11: Marion Wilbur says they're still paying for her baby sister, and she's three years old. (laughs) Oh, tell us, Father.
12: Look, it's nothing to get excited about. I just got a very unusual bargain, that's all. Well, what is it? Oh, it isn't exactly an it. It's more
8: of a them.
10: Oh, for goodness sake, I'll never get this cake frosted. Mother, make
8: him tell us. I can't make him tell. Hey, there's a truck backing in the driveway.
12: Well, here they are. I guarantee this is going to be the world's biggest surprise.
11: Let's go out and see.
12: No, stay here. The man will bring him in.
11: Oh, I can't stand the suspense. I simply can't stand that. There's the man. I'll go. I'll let him in. Now, don't
12: push. I'll have to sign for it. Hello there. Mr. Anderson? That's right. Delivery from the commercial warehouse. Sign right here, please. Oh, yes. There you are. Thank you. I brought one bag in. Where should we put the others? Oh, you can just stack them in the back porch here. In this back porch? Sure, just stack them up. All right, if you say so. Jim, what in the world is in that burlap bag? I told you, you'd never guess. Here, I'll drag it in the kitchen. Now, close the door, bud.
11: Hurry, Father, open the bag. What is it? All right,
12: brace yourselves for the big surprise.
11: Oh, no! Peanuts! (laughs) Peanuts!
8: Is that what you bought, Dad?
11: Peanuts? Oh, boy! The whole bag! Millions of them! Father, is this some kind of a joke?
12: No, I picked them up at the auction. I just stopped in for a minute to see what was going on, and the auctioneer said, what am I bid for these bags of fine roasted peanuts? Bags? You mean there are more of them? Oh, probably a few more. Anyway, he didn't get any bids, so he said, will anyone start the bidding? Who'll give $5 for this 500 pounds?
11: 500 pounds? You bought 500 pounds of
12: peanuts? Oh, wait a minute. I hadn't intend to bid on anything. But $5 for 500 pounds of peanuts? It's a fantastic bargain. I had no idea I'd get them. It was too good to be true. Anyway, I said, I'll bid $5. Next thing I knew, he was saying, sold to the man in the blue suit for $5. I couldn't believe it.
10: I'm having a little trouble believing it myself.
11: Peanuts. I thought maybe it was a set of antique silver or something. When can we start eating them, Daddy?
8: Help yourself. There's plenty. I don't think I want any. Wait till I tell Joe we got 500 pounds of peanuts. He won't believe it. Now,
12: Bud, don't go telling it around the neighborhood. We'll have all the kids in town over here.
10: Uh, But, dear, have you any idea of... I mean, how much does this one bag weigh?
12: Oh, probably 25 pounds But think of it, honey At five dollars for 500 pounds That's only a cent a pound Do you know what you pay for peanuts When you buy them in the store? Yes About 35 or 40 cents a pound I got $200 worth of peanuts for five dollars
10: But the ones in the store are shells, dear
12: Yeah, that's right But it's still a terrific bargain
11: Peanuts, what a letdown I'm going upstairs and make plans for our reading club.
8: Dad, if this bag is 25 pounds, there must be some others, huh? Yes, there'd be a few more.
10: That's the delivery man again, Jim.
12: Well, sir, did you... Great Caesar, we've got a porch book. You told me to stack them out here, Mr. Anderson. I wanted it at the time. I, I didn't realize there were so many.
10: Oh, for heaven's sake. Where's my washing machine?
12: can't see it, ma'am, but it's under there.
9: Hey, <coughs> Bud, look. We got peanuts clear up to the ceiling.
12: Twenty-five pounds to a bag, four bags to a hundred, and you got 500 pounds, Mr. Anderson. That's thats 20 bags, and those bags aren't little. Yes, I, I can see that. It, <laughs> it's none of my business, Mr. Anderson, but if you don't mind my asking,
8: what are you going to do with them?
12: Uh, Well, there are unlimited uses for peanuts. I hope so.
8: Good luck, Mr. <coughs> yeah,
12: same to you. Well, dear. What do you mean? Sure, it seems like a lot of peanuts just looking at them in the bags there, but you'll have to admit it, Margaret, that that's the greatest bargain you ever heard of. A penny a pound. Think of it.
11: What are we going to do with them, Daddy?
12: Why, there's no end of what you can do with them. We can shell some of them, put them in jars, we can grind them up, make our own peanut butter.
10: Uh, when do we do all
12: this? In our spare time. Long winter evenings. Think of the fun, the whole family sitting around the fire.
10: Well, I have to finish this cake. Mr. Michaels will be here in a little while. It's
12: simply a case of knowing a bargain when you see one, dear.
10: Yes, honey. Can I help you, Mommy?
12: You'll have to admit it was a bargain, Margaret.
8: Yes, dear. Bud? I
12: think it was a bargain, Dad. of course it was. I don't care if it's peanuts or real estate or what.
8: Bargain's a bargain. Sure it is. You know what you are doing, Dad. Thank you, son. What are you going to do with them?
12: (laughs) Well, we can't leave them there on the back porch. I'll tell you what we'll do, bud. I'll give you a quarter if you'll move them down into the playroom.
8: The whole 500 pounds? Well, you can
12: take them one bag at a time. The playroom's a good place for them. Okay, down to the playroom. Margaret...
10: I'm frosting the cake, dear.
12: It's a funny thing, the way a person just stumbles into an opportunity like that.
10: Like what, dear?
12: The auction down at the warehouse. (laughs) You can't imagine that out of all those people down there, I would be the only one to realize what those peanuts were really worth.
10: I can imagine. Hand me the spoon for the frosting, Kathy. This one? Don't lick it.
12: A $200 value for $5. How could anybody in his right mind pass it up?
10: I just don't know.
11: Bud Anderson,
8: what are you doing? Let go. Dad
10: told me to. Father! Better brace yourself, dear. Sounds like you're in for storm.
11: Father, you're not putting those peanuts in the playroom.
12: Certainly. Why not, princess?
11: Why not? My club is meeting there tomorrow night.
12: Well, that's all right. The bags of peanuts won't be in your way. What? Just push them over against the wall.
11: Father, this is my reading club. We're taking up the classics, the treasures of literature, and I'm the president.
12: Well, I don't see what that is. Can't you
11: see us reading Milton's Paradise Lost surrounded by peanuts?
12: (laughs) Well, throw a cover or something over them.
11: I'll be the laughing stock of the whole school, the peanut queen of Springfield.
12: Now, Princess, you're getting all upset about nothing.
11: How can you do this to your own daughter?
12: I didn't know you were going to use the playroom.
10: I told Mother, didn't I, Mother? Well, I didn't know the peanuts were going into the playroom. If you'd ask me about it, dear. Here we are, trying to absorb a little culture
11: to rise up. Above our surroundings
12: There's nothing wrong With these surroundings
11: Yeah. Might as well try to read The classics in a chicken coop
8: Betty, just because
12: of
11: Dad What is it, bud?
8: (laughs) I didn't get all the peanuts Into the playroom
11: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank goodness
8: One of the bags broke (laughs) Jim Jim,
10: I smell something burning
8: Some of the peanuts went down the furnace vent.
9: Oh, Oh, no.
11: You'll have to get them out of there, dear. It'll be all over the house. It isn't bad enough, Father, that you turned the house into a peanut gallery. Now we have smog.
9: (laughs) (laughs) What
8: are you going to do, Dad?
12: You know, Bud, by the oddest coincidence, I'm asking myself the same question. (laughs) probably seemed like a wonderful idea to Jim when he was able by the greatest good fortune to pick up 500 pounds of peanuts at auction for just five dollars. But for some mysterious reason, the other members of the Anderson family are not sharing Jim's enthusiasm over the remarkable purchase. In fact, to be perfectly frank about it, the darn peanuts have just about upset the entire household. Jim is retired to the den to ponder the problem, like this. I swear, if I ever buy anything again...
10: What were you saying, dear?
12: Oh, nothing. I was just thinking, from now on, I'm not going to buy so much as a dozen eggs without getting a signed affidavit from everyone in the house.
10: Don't let it upset you, dear. I'm sure it will all work out all right.
12: Oh, it's going to work out. I'm going to get rid of every last one of those peanuts.
10: How, dear?
12: How? Margaret, you and the children don't seem to realize that they're valuable. People buy them.
10: Yes, I know.
12: I mean other people. They're a fine food. They're rich in protein, practically the same as meat. Everybody likes peanuts. Everybody will buy them.
10: Who, for instance?
12: Well, everybody. Bud and Kathy can put them into little bags, sell them around. (laughs) Can you guess how many five-cent bags of peanuts we have down there in the playroom? Nine million? Not quite that many. There are several thousand. Bud and Kathy can earn all their Christmas money and put some in the bank besides. All out of that five dollars.
10: Sounds fine, dear. I have to start dinner. I'm putting the cake for Mr. Michaels on the hall table. Will
11: you give it to him when he comes?
12: Yeah, I'll give it to him. Father! Yes, princess, you can have the playroom.
11: Well, I simply won't take my club down there if those ridiculous... Don't
12: worry, they're going, the time you and your reading club get in there tomorrow night, there won't be a single solitary goober on the premises.
11: Well, I'm glad you finally came to your senses.
12: What do you have in the spray gun?
11: Chlorophyll. With those peanuts down the furnace vent, the house smells like an old incinerator.
12: I thought it was rather pleasant. <laughs> Bud? Kathy?
8: What do you want, Dad? You call me Daddy? What is it, Dad?
12: I have a wonderful idea how you and Kathy can earn a lot of money. You take the peanuts and put them up in paper bags and sell them around the neighborhood for five cents a bag. You can easily make a
8: hundred dollars.
12: Clear profit.
8: Gee, I don't know, Daddy. We couldn't sell them all before tomorrow night anyway.
12: Well, I thought if we make the deal, you, you could move them into the garage just temporarily.
8: Move all those sacks again? Well, think of the money you
12: can make. You'll be rich.
8: No, I don't think so. I'd feel silly going around selling peanuts. What's silly about it? I don't know. Peanuts. Everybody'd laugh.
12: What do you care? It's a legitimate business?
8: No, I'd feel silly. Thanks anyway, Dad. Yeah, thanks anyway,
12: Dad. Wait, kids, listen.
8: It sounds
10: like you're having a little difficulty, dear.
12: I don't know what's gotten into kids. Afraid somebody will laugh at them. Father! Yes, princess, I'll get rid of the peanuts.
10: Has Mr. Michaels come by for the cake?
12: No, not yet. Well, there's one sure way to get rid of them. People will take anything if it's free. I'll give the darn things away.
10: Christmas present?
12: No. I'll just call some of my friends and tell them to come and get them. After all, that's not a bad gift, 25 pounds of peanuts. I'll call at Davis next door. You'll be tickled to death. Loves to get something for nothing.
10: See that the children don't get into this
12: cage I will Hello, Ed, this is Jim Are you busy? Well, come on over, I have a little surprise here for you No, you can see when you get here Right, come on Well, that'll be 25 pounds gone Bud Yes? Go down in the playroom and bring up one of those bags of peanuts, will you?
11: What for?
12: I'll tell you when you bring it up
9: door,
11: Father. I
12: know, I know. Oh, well, hello, Ed. Come on in. What's up, Jim? Oh, just a little surprise. Something we thought you and your wife might like. Well, what is it? Check for a $1,000? <laughs> no, no. This is a real surprise. Bud! Okay. It's really kind of a crazy sort of a gift. Hey, talk about crazy things. A fella down the street works over at the commercial warehouse. He was telling me a few minutes ago about some of the goofy things people buy at those auctions. <laughs>
1: You won't believe
12: this, Jim, but he said today that some poor sap bought 500 pounds of peanuts. Can you
9: imagine? (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't a dealer either. Just
12: some lame brain, money burning holes in his pockets. Now, what would an ordinary guy do with 500 pounds of peanuts?
9: (laughs) Uh,
12: I couldn't imagine.
9: (laughs)
8: Okay, Dad, I'll go down to the playroom and uh, no, the...
12: No, Never mind, bud But you
8: said you wanted me to
12: get... Uh, the... Run along, son, it's all right I'll take care of the uh, the uh, playroom I'll clean it up You run along Okay, but you... That's fine, thanks anyway, son
9: We'll do some
12: weird things Come to think of it, I believe it was 800 pounds of peanuts the guy
9: bought
12: No, it was five Well, you can't imagine anyone buying more than that Well, I have to get back to you What's the big surprise? A surprise? Oh, the surprise. <laughs> well Oh, Jim, this is too much. What is? The cake.
9: <laughs> How did
12: you know this was Martha's birthday? Well, Ed, the cake. that, that is that's Talk about to... a surprise. Wait till Martha sees this. Yeah, well, Ed You, you know, that... you and Margaret are just about the best neighbors and the best friends we've ever had. Well, thanks, Ed, but You but... tell Margaret that we think she's just great. Just great. I gotta run Thanks again, Jim Bye Uh, bye, Ed
9: What
8: happened, Dad?
12: Oh, something awful I'll never be able to explain this to your mother Never Where'd the cake go? That's what I can never explain to your mother
10: I heard you talking to someone, dear Oh, Mr. Michaels came by for the cake Well, I'll see you, Dad
8: Well, come back, bud
10: Don't leave me Maybe I should have contributed more than the cake. But they'll sell it for at least a dollar and a half. And I've done a lot of other work for the Jubilee. Dear, you don't look well.
12: (laughs) I'm not. I'm sick.
10: What's wrong?
12: Well, that wasn't Michaels who was here. It was Ed Davis.
10: Where's my cake?
12: Honey, uh, Ed took it. Now, don't ask me to explain. It's just one of those things.
10: But you were going
12: to give him the... Uh, Margaret! Don't use the word, please. <laughs> Saw the cake on the table, thought that was why I asked him over. It's Martha's birthday. I was trapped, believe me.
11: But what will I tell Mr. Michaels? Father! What? Are you getting those peanuts out of the playroom?
10: I
12: will. Give me time.
11: If I hadn't told Mrs.
10: Michaels that I would bake...
12: Look, me. honey, I'll buy another cake.
10: There isn't time, dear. Oh! Jim
9: sticks.
8: <laughs> Dad?
12: Yes, Bud?
8: I've been thinking about your idea of selling the peanuts Maybe I could do no, it No,
12: Bud, I, I'd give up that idea if I
8: were you But I've got a swell idea If people laugh at me, I can just tell them I'm helping my father
9: <laughs>
12: No, Bud
8: Well, would it be any better if I said, my poor old father? <laughs>
10: Here comes Mr. Michaels up the walk. We'll just have to tell him... I'll
12: explain to him somehow, Margaret. You go in the kitchen. What
8: should I do, Dad?
12: Father? Yes, I'm taking care of it. But here's a dollar. Get those peanuts out of the playroom. What'll I do with them? I don't care what you do with them.
11: Front door, Father. There's Mr. Michaels, dear. All right,
8: all right. I could call the zoo and make a deal with the elephants, maybe.
10: (laughs) Yeah, that's
8: good. Call the elephants.
11: Jim? Father? All
8: right, all right.
12: Well, uh, Mr. Michaels? Yes, that's right, sir. Sorry to have kept you waiting. I, I, uh, I'm Jim
5: Anderson. Well, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, sir. Thank you. Uh, uh, come in, won't you? Uh, Thank you, thank you, yes. (laughs) Well, these are busy days, aren't they, Mr. Anderson? Yes, they they certainly are. Busy days. Yes, indeed. Uh, I was supposed to pick up something for Mrs. Michaels. I'd completely forgotten what it was. <laughs>
9: well, uh, that's too bad.
5: Now, isn't that annoying? She, she told me only five minutes ago. <laughs> it, does your mind ever do strange things? My family often thinks it does. <laughs> It was something in connection with the charity circus. Well, don't worry about
12: it. Why don't we just let it go until tomorrow? You no, know, it, it,
5: it was something your wife was contributing. Something we were going to sell at the circus. Uh, well, I'm sure Mrs. Anderson would know. Oh, oh I doubt it. Really, th- these are busy days, you know. Maybe if you went home... Was the... it a cake? Well... To tell you the truth... Well, you'll just have to forgive me, really. I'm going in circles. My wife is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee for this circus, and I've been running my legs off, rounding up things to sell. Candy, soft drinks, peanuts. I-, I am losing my mind over peanuts. Not you, too. Do you know there isn't a peanut to be had in this town? <laughs> What was that again? Some unscrupulous speculator bought up the last 500 pounds in the warehouse. No. Whoever he is, he has a corner on the peanut market.
9: <laughs>
5: you don't say. And what really makes me sick is that the rascal bought the whole 500 pounds at auction for just $5. If I could have had even a 100 pounds... Open the I... door, will you, Dad? This sack is heavy. Uh, hold on a minute, bud. Uh,
12: Mr. Michaels, open a corner of this bag.
5: Ah, peanuts! (laughs) You want to buy some? How how many do you have? 500 pounds. Mr. Anderson, it was
8: you!
12: Well, I'm not exactly a peanut speculator, but I knew it was a bargain.
5: Uh, Are you interested? Interested? Oh, thank my lucky stars. What's your price? How much for the lot? No charge. Just say this is Mrs. Anderson's contribution to the charity circuit Oh, bless you, sir, bless you Forgive me those awful things I said I should bite off my tongue You are the salt of the earth The very salt of this good (laughs) Wait, where are you going? I'm going to get a truck to haul those peanuts Oh, bless you Oh, don't change your mind I'll be right
9: back (laughs)
8: Holy cow He must have snapped his cap
10: (laughs) A conversation, dear.
8: You uh,
12: probably didn't know you were married to an unscrupulous speculator.
10: Oh, he was practically gibbering with joy. Congratulations, dear. The peanuts were a wonderful
8: bargain.
12: Well, thank you. I've been trying to tell you that ever since I came home.
8: You're pretty sharp, Dad. Father!
12: Bud, run upstairs and tell your sister that if she has anything to say, she may come downstairs and address me in a respectful tone of voice. <laughs> Have to be a little quiet right now. You see the Betty Anderson Literary Society is in session in the downstairs playroom without peanuts. Up in the living room, Margaret is doing some mending while Jim reads the paper.
10: What are you reading, dear?
12: No, there's some very interesting ads in the paper tonight. Oh,
10: such as
12: the Big Harvest Jubilee and Charity Circus tomorrow, full page.
10: Oh, they'll have a big crowd.
12: I suppose we'd better go.
10: Oh, you don't care for those things, dear? Besides, you made probably the biggest contribution of anyone in town.
12: No, I'd sort of like to go.
10: Why? Do you want to see the exhibit? No. I've heard the Midway is going to be rather lively.
12: No, it's not that.
10: Well, why in the world do you want to go?
12: You know, honey, I never did get to taste those peanuts. (laughs) Next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson. Until then, good night and good luck from the makers of Post 40% Brand Flakes, the cereal preferred and eaten by far more people than any other brand flakes, and Instant Sanka, the delicious coffee that lets you sleep. In our cast were Helen Strom as Kathy, Gene Vanderpile, Rhoda Williams, Ted Donaldson, Howard Culver, and Parley Bear. <laughs> Father Knows Best, based on characters created by Ed James, was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Paul West and Roswell Rogers. This is Bill Foreman speaking.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Inner Sanctum, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support.